Hey, y'all. Just before we get into the show today, just wanted to send a quick note out. First of all, thanking you guys for downloading, listening, commenting with us, enjoying the the banter, as they say, on Twitter and everything. Uh, thanks so much for supporting the show. Appreciate everything you guys do for us. And if you want to continue supporting the show, uh, don't donate to our Patreon account because we don't have one. Instead, go to iTunes, tell a friend, rate us five stars, do anything you can. Anything you can do to help the show basically helps more people be able to listen to it, which is what we want. We just want to grow the Atlanta United fan base community. We want to help people understand what's happening in the games. And if you want that as well, then help us out. So other than that, oh, also on Twitter, just go on. If, if there's something you want to hear out of these preview shows, we're still trying to feel them out a little bit. Tell us. Please, please give us some feedback. If there's something you want to hear more about, if there's something you want to hear less about, uh, just let us know. Just shoot us a note, and we would appreciate any feedback you have for us. So with that out of the way, let's get right into the show. Looking for Garza backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Five Strike Final. Before the final rose, the only highly distributed audio discussion discussing all things Atlanta United, this time the preview show. Edition. J. Sam Jones here from Dirty South Soccer. Joe Patrick from over there at Dirty South Soccer. Joe Patrick, it's been too long. It has been almost almost 24 hours since our last uh, since our last the discussion. most painful 23 and a half hours of my entire life. To be honest with you, gosh, so much has happened since then. Uh, yeah, you know, want to know one thing that's happened since then? What's that? I opened up our show sheet that we used to share, and the whole thing is in Comic Sans. I wonder what have you, who did that. What is going Some on here? Wiley genius must have messed with that oh and just God. made it. I don't know. It, it's an enjoyable font, in my opinion. Uh, um, playful. So playful. It's a great <laughs> word for it. Playful, just like the nature of this this show. I think uh, we needed some pizzazz. So, we needed to kind of like get ourselves amped up for this. So Comic Sans, I guess that does the trick. Oh, if you're not already amped up for this one, you very much should be Joe Patrick. We got a banger mm. coming your way. Five stripes taken on Sporting Kansas City, the leaders in the Western Conference, facing off against the Supporter Shield leading Atlanta United. Uh, big one coming up. This one starts at 7.30 p.m. Wednesday night, right there in the bins. You can watch it on TV if you can't make it to the stadium at Fox Sports South. Going to be a whole lot of fun and a really, really interesting matchup, especially... I think from an attacking standpoint, in a lot of ways, Kansas City coming in as probably the best attacking team in the league, maybe definitely in the Western Conference, but yeah. possibly in the league as well. Yeah, I think um, definitely, Yeah, like you said, definitely in the in the West, I think, um, you know, they're right up there with us and uh, New York Red Bulls, I think, for kind of the most attacking teams and NYCFC, I guess, if you want to throw them in there. It's so hard to judge NYCFC mm-hmm. uh, because of that stadium they play in. There's some really weird score lines, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, they've had a great start to the season, SKC has, uh, sporting Kansas City. So, um, yeah, it should be really interesting. And I've been kind of, um, pegging this one for a few weeks now as one that was going to tell us a lot about this team, uh, in Atlanta United. And just, it's going to, and, and it's going to tell us a lot about sporting Kansas City. Are they for real? They've played a, they've played a pretty mm-hmm. easy schedule, I, I believe, so far this season. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to learn a lot from this game from both about both teams and just about the league in general. 
be a very nice barometer. It'd be a very nice barometer for what this what this defense can do. I think with this Atlanta United defense has kind of outperformed expectations in a lot of ways. We'll talk more about that later. We'll also talk a lot more about just exactly what Kansas City does in attack, but just kind of looking at their their base stats, their rankings within the league right now, second in possession overall, fifty six point nine percent of possession going their way. Um, looking at overall shots per game, eighteen point four shots per game, which is far and away the best in the league. They're just they're clattering in a lot of lot of uh, shots and opportunities over and over again. It's just kind of like that they're bludgeoning you to death with shot after shot after shot. They're also right now the best passing team in the league um, with the highest completion percentage of passages just right above Toronto. So right near the top in a whole lot of categories, uh, near the top in goals scored, of course, too, near the top in expected goals. If you're in kind of an analytical kind of look at it, um, they're just very, very good going forward. And if a lot of the reason is because they just have so many pieces that work very, very well together and interchange very, very well together. It's not really one guy you can really look at. There's a few guys you can pick out, uh, which we'll talk about. Later, uh, just Johnny Russell's a name to remember, uh, especially uh, because I love Johnny Russell already. I've fallen <laughs> in love over the last few hours of research with, with Johnny Russell. Scottish Messi. Scottish Messi, essentially. He's got a very, if you're into college football, like a, a Johnny Manziel, Baker Mayfield kind of swaggy white guy thing going on, which I'm really super about. Um, he's the man. He's going to give us a lot, a lot of issues. We'll talk more about him later. Um but yeah, it's just going to be one of those ones where I think both of us have kind of differing opinions on how it can go, and neither of us are, you know, really correct. Yeah, I think at this point we just I, have no idea. I like that we kind of uh, independently came up with uh, what we thought was going to happen in this game, and I think we think very different things. But um, I have a fun fact for you. Are you, are you okay. ready to hear it? Yeah, absolutely. Sporting Kansas City led MLS in per, uh, percentage of possession last season. How about that? Really? How about that? Didn't know That's that. a little tidbit. Share it with your family and friends. Yeah, for sure. Um, what's interesting is they're doing a lot more with the possession this year, just as, especially from a statistical standpoint. Um, you know, the, the expected goals is way, way up. The goals per game is way, way up. Uh, the defensive stats actually down for Kansas City, which is kind of surprising. Hmm. Um, they're allowing a little more than uh, we're kind of used to seeing. Um, and again, we'll get into that a little bit further. Uh, but first... Just something you may need to know right off the top of the bat. Uh, they just gave a contract extension to uh, their manager, Vermes, uh, 51-year-old head coach for Kansas City. He started as technical director in 2006 for them when they were still the whiz. <laughs> uh, okay, never mind. Um, so many jokes. So, so little time. Um, takes over as manager in 2009. Uh right when they switched to the, the stupid, stupid sporting name, which we'll complain about uh, much later yeah. in the show when we get to hate watch. I'm uh, glad but, you mentioned that. Yeah, for sure. So dumb. So, so dumb. But uh, from then, he's won the, He's taken them to four trophies, uh, 2013 MLS Cup, 2012, 2015, 2017, U.S. Open Cup winners, uh, has 121 wins with SKC, 150 wins overall in his coaching career. Just reached that the other day. Uh, so... Just something to keep in mind with them is they've got a guy who's been established there and he's really kind of implementing his best tactics right now, I think. Uh, one of the interesting things Harris Kriskich was talking about when talking with uh, the Sporting Kansas City folks from over at their SB Nation blog. I have no idea what it's called. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not sure either. Something about a river, I want to say. 
Really? No, maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. You'll find maybe out tomorrow. Rivers in Kansas. <laughs> I don't care. Um, but we're saying that uh, the tactics haven't really changed for what they're doing. They've just gotten um, better implementing them and have the pieces to kind of make it fit. Yeah. Um, so and, just something to keep in mind on. Go ahead. And you left out the most important part, in my opinion, about uh, Peter Vermees, which is that he looks just like the bad guy in Avatar. Or also Are the lead commander in Small Soldiers, a critically acclaimed film from the nineteen from the nineties or early two thousands. Oh, okay, cool, cool. I, you haven't seen Small Soldiers, I, I, have you? I have no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> was I even born when that came out? Um, Man, sorry. Who could forget the battle long. against the Gorgonites? Right. I guess you. Me, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, huh? hopefully, some of our listeners will pick up on How that. How do but... you remember characters in Avatar? <laughs> Name one character. Like, what was his name? Name a character. I don't know. He was the bad guy. He was the guy who wanted to like <laughs> cut down the forest or whatever. Uh, he has like a flat top. A he's like he's like he's like a commander who flew a plane. And he had a gray flat top. I'll I'll tweet out a comparison picture. We'll see what the readers think. What a what a pointless shiny movie. It's like it's like finding a a piece of currency from a country that has no value here, <laughs> but still looks really nice, and you have this thing. But it doesn't really actually mean anything. But it sure looks nice. Yeah. It sure looks pretty. That's Avatar. Yeah. And um, Vermees has, like, the craziest dress game uh, in the league. He wears, like, these crazy-ass suits that are uh, they're pretty... Um, what's the word for this? It's uh, imposing, I guess, is the is what how I would say. They're very, like, big-ass... <laughs> is he win- dressing like a mafia Big-ass Windsor knot. Yeah, yeah. He's, okay, he's got, okay. like, yeah, like, a, like a checkered pattern on the suit or something sometimes. You know, just like a very mm. a very power suit uh, kind of guy. Peter gotcha. Vermees. Gotcha. You dress, how, you dress how you play and you dress how you coach. I think, so, you I mean, know, you say that. I think there actually is something to that. Like, his teams are always incredibly well-drilled, um, incredibly... Uh, What's the, what's the word? Uh, disciplined, um, well disciplined. They know what to do, how to carry out his tactical plan. You have to give him credit. I've been giving him some some crap for the way he looks, and I'm just poking fun at him really because I do think he is a really good manager. Um, yeah, like I said, his teams always uh, give a lot in a game. You don't you don't have many easy games against Sporting Kansas City. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a really tough test for us to be honest. Well, looking at SKC's last few games, uh, it's been pretty successful. For the most part, for them, uh, last game, a one nothing win against Colorado. Uh, before that, they went on the road and actually lost to New England, which is a real bad loss for them. Um, they can sometimes struggle on the road just like any other MLS team. Uh, they haven't been super successful. And if you want to have something to say about that, Joe? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it is. I mean, with these bad teams, especially like one in New England, like a New England team, yeah, it's a bad loss to go up there and lose. But New England's been better this year. And, you know, New England going up into that stadium, it's like this big, quiet, cavernous place. And I can totally see how decent teams kind of go there up there and fall asleep and then get caught off guard, especially with what Brad Friedel's doing with uh, the New England Revolution with a, a real high press this year and a real aggressive approach to the game. So, um, you know, that's you know that's something that's going to happen from teams time to time. I mean, we went we drew against New England last year. Granted, it was like our sure. ninth game in... 30 days or something, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's something that's going to happen, but I think SKC, you know, they've been in great form overall. They're obviously first place in the West, so um, I'm not going to use that result as like a uh, something to hold against them. Speaking of that New England game, do you know who scored, if you had to guess? For SKC? No, no, the one nothing New England win oh, oh. there. Uh, um, who scored? Uh, Teal Bunbury. Teal Bunbury. Am I right? Exactly right. Our friend. Oh. 
Our friend, he's no Keegan Rosenberry, but yeah. <laughs> Teal Bunbury still holding a, a, a dear, dear place in our heart in the MLS name game. Um, right before that, and this is maybe the last game we we'll really talk about with Sporting Kansas City from the last uh, few games, uh, we will mention that they went on the road and beat LA Galaxy and tied uh, at home with Seattle, which is another not super a strange result for them, I feel like, especially the way with Seattle's uh, been playing. But right before... Uh, losing to New England, they just absolutely thrashed Vancouver. Vancouver's tallness could do nothing, nothing on the night. And it was kind of a, a personal vendetta, uh, a personal destruction. It was like it was like Darth Vader in the hallway scene uh, in Rogue One where he's just chopping people down. Uh, it was like Wyatt Earp in, in Tombstone where, where hell was coming. And he was coming with it and just destroying the Cowboys and everything like that. Uh, Johnny Russell, the man, just destroyed Vancouver. My gosh. He scores the first two goals um, and then the, gets into a fight, essentially instigates <laughs> this fight. And Vancouver ends up on the other side with it with two red cards yeah. out of that fight. Um, so <laughs> they're down to nine just because Johnny Russell doing Johnny Russell things. Then a few minutes later, he goes out and draws a penalty. And it was just, uh, it was a route. Johnny Russell was amazing. You know what I uh, call that? One of the worst beat Intangibles. Great uh, intangibles yeah. on Johnny Russell. But not in the way that like Alpharetta dad would like appreciate. Oh yeah, no, no, uh, no. You know, a whole it's different. not like Tim Tebow intangibles. It's a very much different kind well, of swaggy. We're on a different, we're on a different spectrum of intangibles here. Mm-hmm. Like the dark, exactly. like the dark side, like you said. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, you know, f- a, a decent results for Kansas City over the last few games. Uh, again, that. New England lost kind of the outlier for most of their season, to be honest. Again, they're at the top of the Western Conference, and uh, but it's going to be a heck of a battle. I mean, do you want to talk about some of their underlying numbers real quick? I mean, this can be pretty boring podcast fodder, HDAD fodder, um, to kind of talk about the analytics here. But they've had some, like, really, I don't know, they just have strange numbers for their results this season. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. We talked about them taking a lot of shots. Uh, they've taken 186 shots. To put that into concept, context, that's 46 more than the next closest team in Columbus um, and 55 more than we've taken all year. That's crazy. That's um, like a 25%. Like That's like 25% more than second place. Like That's insane. Yeah, An amount for of sure. Shots. It's a ton, a ton of shots. However, in, in getting kind of deep into the analytic stuff here, um, have we ever, well, I guess we should explain the, the concept of expected goals before we kind of get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, expected goals in the simplest kind of way to think about it is how often are the shots you taken turning into goals? Generally, ter- yeah. How, how, like generally how often would a, a certain shot be a goal? You yeah. Know? And, then, and then they assign a number value to that. Yeah. Essentially based on up on to, percentages. up to one, but you would generally, you would never see an actual one because that would mean a it scored 100% of the time, which is never the case. So I think like the highest you would ever see a goal rated is like a uh, probably like a high 80%, like 0.8 something. A, a penalty right. is 0.8. That's how they that's how they typically rate those. So um, for sure, yeah. In a lot in a lot of places, tend to take out penalties when when yeah. talking about the actual expected goal yeah. output. Um, you may be saying, why isn't there one? You know, you, anyone could score from you know right in front of the goal. Well, I remind you that Fernando Torres does exist. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it's an interesting, it's a very, it's not a perfect way of showing exactly what kind of chances you're getting, but it's a very, very good way of showing what kind of chances you're creating 
and how much total output you should be getting from the shots you're taking. Right. Now, again, we've mentioned that Sporting Kansas City has taken way, way more shots than everybody else, and naturally that's going to build up over time Mm -hmm. into a high number of expected goals per game. However, Atlanta actually has more expected goals per game than Sporting Kansas City at this point, even with the lower amount of shots, simply because when Atlanta gets... uh, takes shots they're in really good places to take those shots exactly so to recap we are we would have expect even though they've outshot us by a very considerable margin over the course of the season we still would have been expected to score more goals than them so um i i mean in my opinion the reason why is because their buildup is just so slow like like i said they control the ball really well they led mls in possession last year but they do it in such a in such a methodical fashion that it gives team the the opposition time to just recoil and and bunker back in their own box, and and that's what we did against yeah. them when we played them last year in KC. We were just bunkering for the most part, and we were able to break at times, and we scored like a last gasp uh, equalizing goal right at the end there. But yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of a flaw in uh, in in their in their style is that they just don't capitalize quickly enough, like on counter attacking opportunities. And to clarify, I'm talking about the expected goals per per shot is what they're actually getting. Uh, their their expected goals per game do, because they do have so many shots oh, okay. is a little bit higher than us. I I don't think I clarified that well enough. Um, they are uh, like 0.9 higher than us, but we're still getting way less shots. Our yeah. uh, success rate on shots for an expected or yeah for all our shots is 13% on the year if you take out the penalties. Uh, theirs is 11%. Um, and that's with penalties included. And they've had a few because Johnny Russell gets a penalty like every other game uh, because he's amazing. And I love him and I want him <laughs> to adopt me. Um, so it's just one of those interesting things. Um, they're just going to they're going to probably have the majority of possession. I think you said that earlier today, Joe. Um, sporting is going to have the majority of the ball, especially if we come out in a three, five, two, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I I said in our writers' room earlier today, I would just be stunned if if uh, we actually had more possession in the game uh, tomorrow or Wednesday than uh, Sporting Kansas City. They're just so good at possessing, and I think that based on what we've seen from Tata Martino in this three five two, he's pretty much happy to do that. I it seemed well, I don't know if happy is the right word to do it, Happy's but he's but the, he's yeah. willing begrudgingly. He's willing to be pragmatic about it at this point mm. and um and try to hit teams on the counter now. Having said that, there he could very well come out in a four-two-three-one tomorrow. Um, with T, he rested Tito Vajalba for almost the entirety of uh, the game on on the weekend, and I think that that means he's starting. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, yeah. And if he's starting, I don't see who you would sub for. I think he sub Mar- just Martinez out early in the game because he he's obviously going to be starting unless you're going to sit Barco or Almiron. I can't, which I can't understand that. Which may be your two best players right yeah, now, yeah. especially Almiron, who's been he's the best player in MLS right now. Yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah. So I think I think we we actually are going to start on a four two three one, but uh, I still think that okay. Since since you know we're still new to it this season, really, we've only played it in one game. Uh, I do think that we won't be super fluid in it yet, and and Sporting will have the majority of the possession. One of the sillier aspects that kind of comes from Sporting having so much possession and taking so many shots is that they have 71 corners taken on the year, uh, which to compare that to Atlanta, Atlanta has 36. <laughs> so double what Atlanta has as far as corner output. Sporting has, has double that. Um, and they've scored they scored two times on corners, uh, which is about league average for what they're getting. So it probably won't come into play too much. Just kind of a strange uh, just uh, result 
of that. Interestingly, Sporting Kansas City yet to score on any crosses, uh, despite uh, all that possession, all the shots, everything like that. Nothing, none of that's coming from crosses, which I think kind of plays in what you were talking about about their playing style. Yeah, I wonder how many they, how many crosses they attempt too, because you know, with with uh, I don't know if it's really part of Vermees' style or not. It seems like they're a team who want to pr- pick and probe and move the ball around and try to try to put a through ball in as opposed to whipping in a cross. But everyone here knows that Graham Zuzzi uh, loves himself a cross. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, but uh, they clearly don't work that efficiently. And if they've only scored two goals in 71 attempts, I mean, on corners, um, assuming they're not doing short corners like a smart person would, um, yeah, that, that doesn't seem like that's going to be much of a threat. Shout out short corners, for sure. For sure. Um, let's, we've been talking, we've been too nice. Let's talk about what they're not doing well. Okay. How about that? Yep. How about that? Yep. Um, their, their defense has taken a dip. Last year, they were known, I think, uh, around the league for being very pragmatic is a great word for it. Um, very defensive minded. Um, what was our game like against them? I'm trying to remember. It was Jacob it was, Peterson. It was, ter- it was yeah, zombie yeah. Jacob Peterson coming from the dead yeah. from that injury he had for like three months coming up to score the tying goal. Yeah. Was Bra- it like a 1-1? Brandon Vasquez like headed it to him. It was like off of like a stupid set piece or something. It was maybe it was off a corner or a throw in or something like that. Mm-hmm. Brandon Vasquez got his head to a ball and like nodded it on and Jacob Peterson, yeah, just went and threw and slotted it on <laughs> against his old team. Didn't celebrate. Um, right, of course. Yeah. That, that was, was a great string of games where we kept scoring stoppage time equalizers. Yeah. And it was from people like Jacob Peterson and Ty Mears from a flipping <laughs> header from the edge of the box, <laughs> which was the single dumbest goal all year. Oh, it was my gorgeous. gosh. That was insane. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but, I think that was yeah. like, well, that when we played Sporting Kansas City, that was during a stretch where we had, like, one game in 46 days or something. Like, we had just had, like, no games. Our players were just, like, on yachts in Miami, just, like, you That's know, right. just taking yeah. it easy. Um, yeah. It was just, what a strange part of the season that was. Mm-hmm. It was content starved, too, from our perspective. Good Lord. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I remember that was, yeah, that was probably it was, the, that was, it was it was, a, honestly it was probably the ugliest game I've seen, I've watched Atlanta United play. Um, yeah, it was cluttered the yeah, whole time. Yeah, and that's that's what we expected from Sporting this year. This year, not quite as pragmatic. I don't know if it's just kind of a, a, a symptom of them being a little more attack minded, or if it's just the personnel has changed enough to where they're getting forward more, they're pressing higher, and the the defenders have gotten worse. You've still got Matt Beasler back there, who's been pretty bad. This year, just uh, especially just looking at his, his ratings by game, uh, just really been struggling back there. Mm. Um, uh, looking at their uh, expected goals allowed, so this is the the goals they would, um, the the shots they're allowing, and yep. how many goals that would translate into uh, from opposing the opposing team. Uh, they're seventh in the league, right around one point three eight goals allowed per game. Uh, that's good enough for last year. That would have them finish 15th in the league, uh, which is the same as San Jose and Orlando City, who are both terrible. Yeah, pretty year. average. San Jose, still my favorite team from last though, year, uh, for making the playoffs with like a negative 31 Wait, goal differential. San Jose was, made the playoffs last year? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> On the last day of the season. Let me uh, look that up, because it's still the greatest story in MLS history. Um, but yeah, the, the defense just hasn't been, the output hasn't been there. I guess, yeah. um, you know, 12 goals over there at their games uh, they've played this year, uh, which is you know, more than Atlanta, more than New York City FC, more than the other teams at the top of the Supporter Shield race right now. Um, 
which is kind of strange. It's not what you expect. You want to get into their into their roster a little bit? Just talk about some of the players players look out for. They have yeah. Uh, so let, well, let's start with one of the players we won't want to be looking out for. This is, this is a big loss for them, uh, Felipe Gutierrez. I think I've heard someone, maybe it was you, say that they were they basically been comparing him. He's like their their Miguel Almiron. Like he's like their do everything attacking midfielder. Has had a great season. Well, he's going to be out now. He's he has a. Uh, I don't know sports what the injury. Oh, hernia. sports hernia. That's right. Yeah. He's, so he's going to be out for a couple months at least, um, starting right about now. So uh, that's good for us that they won't have hey, him. Hey, at least he got like one of those athletic hernias, you know, not one of the, I guess, a work hernia or something like that. You know, he, he did it doing something athletic. So sports hernia. Is that what it means? I don't know. That, I, don't, I have I, no <laughs> clue. Why, why the hell like, is it a like, sports hernia? It's not like an old man hernia where you like yeah. cough too hard or something. Exactly. 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 <laughs> Good for Felipe. Uh, no, Felipe, very good, though. Uh, in his, He's only made uh, five appearances this year since uh, he's been out for a little while. But just in those five appearances, five goals for him on the season. Uh, he has a whole bunch of key passes. He's one of those kind of do-it-all kind of guys. And over those five games, he was their best player. Um, and now he's out. I believe the, the diagnosis is like two to three months uh, with that very super athletic sports hernia that he has. So that's a big, big loss for them. By the way, just so we can clarify, San Jose, six seed last year, minus 21 goal differential. <laughs> that's amazing. The single greatest team in MLS. That's, that's so MLS. You know who they finished with just three points less? Who? Sporting Kansas City. So a team really? with a minus 21 goal differential was, was very, very close to equaling the, the points total it's of fic- Sporting Kansas City league. last year. MLS, Strange place. MLS is it's a MLS. League. Gotta love it. So we've talked about Johnny Russell. They've also we kind of mentioned Graham Zuzzi. Graham Zuzzi, your your former legendary, quote unquote legendary uh, U.S. Men's National Team right back. I don't think we've talked enough about Johnny Russell. <laughs> okay. I'd like to talk All more right. about Johnny freaking Russell. Talk about uh, the Derby uh, County lad. Yeah, he's uh, he's Scottish dude uh, in this four three three that Burmese has been instituting, uh, which is just his natural thing. Uh, he's been playing on the right side. Um, very very flaresy. Uh, flashy, whatever you want to call it. Hmm. Um, he had a stunning, stunning goal against Los Angeles where he just destroyed, first off, I'm Ashley Cole, and just flicked the ball over him uh, inside the 18 after making a long run, cut back inside, picked the ball over uh, an outstretched foot, and then chipped it over the keeper. He scored a few just cutting in from the wing like that that are just stunning where he chips it over the keeper like that. Um, like a, like uh, would you say it was Messi-esque? Yeah, Absolutely. And it's this like burly looking twenty eight year old Scottish dude with red hair and tattoos up and all down his barrel chested, yeah, yeah. It's it's incredible. Um, he was interestingly uh, very very close to not playing soccer anymore two years ago. Uh, just said it wasn't fun anymore. Uh, he was over at Derby County. It was too uh, easy. Played. It was too easy. He, he, he. <laughs> well, the thing was, he wasn't doing that well at Derby County. He was he he uh, 182 games played for Derby, just 30 goals. He comes to Sporting Kansas City, uh, five goals in his first 10 games. Uh, he says he's having fun again. His teammates have started to like him apparently uh, due to the fact that he gets into fights. Um, the fight during the Vancouver game was like his big like welcoming moment <laughs> into the into the side. Apparently, according to uh, our friends over at the the Kansas City Star. Um, so yeah, he's just a really flashy white dude, which is fun. <laughs> it's kind of fun to watch. Two point nine dribbles per game for him, most on the team. Uh, Three point five shots per game is most on the team. 
Um, he creates by himself a lot, and he's just gonna be he's gonna be a nuisance in a big way. It's gonna be interesting to see how either you know the combination of of Garza and, and Leandro over there, or uh, just Garza kind of by himself in the left wing handles him. Yeah, yeah, it will be. Interesting. Or say with me, put Chris McCann out there, Scott on Scott, mm. kind of well, violence. Chris McCann's yeah. Irish. Yeah, but it's, it's, but like, is there a? Dip? I'm not British. Sure. They're they're sure. from they're from the United Kingdom. Maybe that's actually. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how England works. How, 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 someone explained to me how Britain works. Like, what's the difference between Great Britain and the United Kingdom? There is some that's difference. Terrible podcast fodder. There, I will. There, I will explain it to there you. There is some after difference because I actually I, know the difference. Wales is involved somehow. Yes. <laughs> that's all I'll say. Well, I'll talk to you after. Okay. Um. Also going to have to look out, of course, for Graham Zeus. We talked a bit about him. Um, he's getting off a lot of shots per game um, just from that right-back position that he's been playing. Uh, making a lot of key passes per game, too. Uh, 2.1 key passes per game, which is or passes that result in some kind of chance, um, which is really, really impressive from a right-back position. No assist yet, uh, but still making a lot of passes that uh, get people involved. Um, this attacking side for Kansas City interesting and in that their goals don't come from the guy in the middle you know um yeah us. yeah uh Joseph Martinez is very very important to what we do how we get goals it's coming from the two guys on the wings you've got Johnny Russell of course and then Daniel Shallowy is his name is a 21 year old left winger uh who's been doing very very well for them so far two goals uh four assists for him four assists is tied for first on the team uh he was first team MLS and player of the week Last week had a whole bunch of shots against Colorado. Only got one of them in, but had a couple uh, go off the bar. He had eight shots uh, last week against Colorado uh, and created three chances as well. So a really yes. solid performance from very, him. Very reliant on their wingers, and but they don't play like mm-hmm. wingers. You know, they're, they're more like the modern uh, inside forward, if you will, who are yes. cutting inside and they're basically playing like strikers. I mean, their, goal, their job is to score goals and create chances, um, but they're not going to be guys who are, you know, staying wide and hugging the touchline. They're going to be driving into the box on those diagonal runs looking for passes. Yeah. It just kind of feels like the, the attack is not a whole bunch of uh, big pieces trying to do a whole lot of big things. It's a bunch of uh, smaller parts working together for the sum of the whole. Just all of a sudden you have all these people coming at you uh, and you don't quite know how to handle it because so many of these pieces are, are so good uh, getting forward for Sporting Kansas City. It's it's not a team that has a whole lot of stars, but still yeah. uh, gets the job done. And that's why you got to credit Peter Vermees. I mean, he, he like yeah. I said, he has the team well drilled, and he always, like, they're never terrible. You know, like, they're always they're always decent. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's because he has, he has a system that he can implement, and uh, he's able to do it with whatever players he has at his disposal. So, yeah, you got to give them a lot of credit, and they're always going to be a threat, for sure. For sure, for sure. Uh, they're going to line up in that 4-3-3. Um, they're not going to press us as much as, as maybe some other teams. They're not super involved in the press, it doesn't seem like. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times when we think about a team that plays high possession, we think about a team that presses a lot because mm-hmm. they're going to be winning the ball back quickly and keeping the ball. So, But, yeah, like you said, they're not that kind of team. Basically, what they want to do is they want to keep the ball as a form of defense. But when they actually don't have the ball, they will retreat and, and form a solid shape. Um, trying not to concede on the counter because they are they are exposed to that kind of that kind of attack. You know, with with so many players push forward, 
um, with the ball, they're they're definitely exposed to a counterattack against a quick team. So when they lose the ball, they're going to retreat retreat quickly. Um, so they're not a team that's going to come out and press us. And they could yeah. and they could frustrate us. I think. Yeah, for sure. We've seen that a couple of times just with teams sitting back like that. But when they do get the ball, they're not going to try to counter a whole lot on us. Uh, the Opta does a lot of the stat work for MLS. Uh, kind of has some trouble keeping track of these kind of things as far as, as counterattacking stats. Uh, but they only have one fast break shot, shot, quotation marks, just a shot that's uh, on a big counter like that that leads to an open chance. Uh, zero goals on that for comparison. Atlanta, five fast break shots. Uh, three goals resulting in that. So you can kind of tell the difference in styles there, especially uh, just with the pace of the attack going forward. Agree. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, yeah, something to seemed like a de- It seemed like a declarative statement to me. So yeah, uh, Fair yeah. enough. One of the interesting things, uh, and Barbie, Bobby Warshaw had a really interesting article about this uh, this week, uh, just about, how the interplay works for Sporting Kansas City. And he, he noted uh, especially the tactics on the right side of the pitch. Uh, he compared it to some of the uh, the tactical play that, that Pep Guardioli's Man City side does. Uh, but it's very much interchanging parts up and down the field. Um, and you, you see it with, with Graham Zussi moving up from right back. He'll move centrally a lot of the time. If you look at his heat map, he's moving a lot more centrally than uh, other right backs will. He's moving in and out. As they kind of go up and down the field uh, with, you'll have Espinoza as the right midfielder there as well, and Johnny Russell on that right side, uh, causing just a lot of problems just because yeah. they're moving in and out. Yeah, that seems like a modern, uh, kind of like a modern tactical adaptation of the fullback, I, I, I think, too. Mm-hmm. A lot more managers are, are using the fullback as a more central player um, with the ball, basically because it gives you a little more solidity against the counterattack without that fullback being pushed way up high up the field on the wing. Um, to have them be more central, um, they're still able to recycle possession offensively, but then, you know, when the ball turns over, they're in a better position to help defend. Yeah, and when when you look at Graham Zussi leading the the team in key passes, that plays a big part of it. If he's moving centrally, he's able to to maybe uh, find those channels for key passes yeah. a little easier. Exactly. Um, it, it's not a new concept. It's not anything that's reinventing the wheel. It's just a lot of teams in MLS don't have the talent or the coaching to to effectively use it. Right. With Vermes and with Russell and you know the, the talented right side of this uh, Kansas City team, it's been very, very effective for them. And it's one of the reasons their attack has been so effective because you just don't know uh, where the attacking movement is going to come from, who it's going to come from. Yeah, yeah. It kind of, it's like um, uh, Philip Lom. I think he was kind of the first fullback I heard of that was doing that kind of thing. Uh, but it makes mm-hmm. sense when you think about Zussi, like basically right now in his career, he doesn't have the the stamina and the speed to be playing like a modern, the quote unquote modern fullback uh, who's flying up and down the wing. So I think this is it suits his game. I mean, he's a passer. Um, he's he's good technically. Uh, just doesn't have a lot more left physically to give. But um, yeah, you want to put him in the best position possible. So I think that's kind of the middle of the field. So, yeah. All right. Well, enough about those losers. Let's talk about us. Yeah. Let's talk about us. Uh, injury updates. It's, it's kind of the same as Chicago. Uh, nothing really to have for you there. Uh, well, do well, we have anything on Franco? I heard that the injury is a rib injury, not a concussion-related oh, no. yeah. injury. But I still, you know, I would just I would be pretty surprised if he just came back into this game and played um, yeah. based on kind of the little I've heard about what's coming out. So 
Um, I think McCann will probably be back in there. I said, I think I said after in the show in the HDAD that released uh, last night that we would not see McCann, but considering Franco isn't going to be able to play, and I think Garza is definitely not going to play. I just don't. I just don't think he's going to play because of his injury uh, situation in the past. I think McCann will. I would not be surprised if we see McCann playing left back in a four-two-three-one. I'll, I'll go out there and say that's what I'm going to predict as the as the starting formation. So we're going to see that that Scott Irish matchup I was talking earlier. Uh, oh, with- Scottish Irish. Okay, I thought you just said the Scottish matchup. Oh yeah, I did. I did. I'm I'm correcting now though. Oh okay okay. So I read right. correctly. Gotcha. Yes yes absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, that could uh, that could play a, a large if both those guys are out, that could play a large part into us going back. To the it just, that just seems like the most reasonable thing to me. But you know, yeah. you could play a three five two with McCann in the back three, and then Garza. If you you pr- basically probably have to play either Garza or Ambrose at that point, and you could. I mean, maybe he will play Garza. Who knows? I mean, I know Tata yeah. will. He wants to play Garza. Like he wants to play his best eleven. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what he decides. I wasn't as concerned about Franco because of uh, Darren Hills' tweet after the game about Brad Guzan hating Franco for stealing his parking spot or something goofy like that, which, haha, funny, we're joking about it. Uh, that tweet has since been deleted, uh, which is very, very concerning. And Franco Escobar uh, is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Golly. Man. Okay, no. But he might miss a game, though, so, yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing. Come on, Darren. Um, yeah, Darren. Gosh, man. Don't don't jump the cart or whatever. I don't know what the saying is. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it for us. We're gonna do the same thing. It, it's, it is what it is. We're gonna, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Just I don't. There, 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 there isn't anything things. to say. Anybody what? who's been watching us play knows what to expect from us. So yeah, um, you just kind of hope it pays off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, let me uh, let me say this: uh, how the how I think the game is gonna go out. Uh, how, how the game is going, going to play out, which is that I think we'll play a four-two-three-one, and I think that it will actually not end up looking that much different from what we've been doing in a three-five-two. I think Sporting Kansas City, as I mentioned earlier, is going to have a lot of the possession. I think we're going to sit back and we're just going to try to hit them on the break, basically with via Tito on the right side. I think he's going to be our main outlet. Uh, okay. I think we're really going to try to exploit them when they push numbers forward to get him on long passes as quick as possible. Um, out on that right side, and then hope we can kind of create from there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I see us sitting back. I kind of see it playing out like the LAFC match earlier in the season, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah I, I could see it. I could see it. I, I really like the idea that Tito's going to be huge. I think his pace has been missing in a lot of ways um, and attacking a back line that isn't the fastest with Icapara back there and, and Matt Beasler. And uh, um, is pretty fast at that left back spot, but um, you know, it, it's not a speedy uh, back line for the most part. Yeah. Uh, so Tito could be huge. Tito could be huge for sure. Uh, yeah, that kind of wraps it up. Uh, Joe, give us a reason. Give us a, a, a fuel to the fire to hate Kansas City. Their home kits are absolute trash. And just, I, I would say their color scheme in general. I mean, it's like the most passive thing um, in professional sports. Baby blue, like what the hell? Like that, I would, how can you even support a team with baby blue as one of their primary colors? Like that's just so weird. And then to, com- and then to like combine that with just a, a, a navy blue, like come on, what the hell's going on? Have, have some creativity. At least if you're going to use baby blue, use some like other cool color, like a, like a bright yellow or something. Um, it's just terrible. I, I don't know. 
What is interesting about Sporting Kansas City? This might be kind of going into 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 your. Yeah, your right. that, that leads real nice into mine. And just they're they're the most boring team I think I could ever ever think of. Johnny Russell has changed that for me. He's been a big eye opener for me. <laughs> have I talked enough about him in this age? Deck? I, I'm you not have, sure. You have a man crush on him. I, uh, I I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> I might have to go to the Sporting locker room after the game instead of the Atlanta locker room just to, just <laughs> yeah. to get a quote. Uh, but no, I got the whole. T- I remember writing the, the haters guide for him last year, and all I could write about was how boring they were because I was bored researching them. They were like, even their Wikipedia page, like fun fact thing is like, oh, there was once a suburb here at this one spot, and we <laughs> took that suburb away and moved it, and now it's another suburb. Um, I guess Walt Disney was there one time in his life. That's that's the thing. Like that's the actual dude? Yeah, yeah, he was there. Huh. He was there. For some reason, don't they? I'm uh, pretty sure uh, Kansas City has like the most fountains per capita in the world, or something like more than is Rome, that them? Italy. Wow, yeah, good for them. That's why they have the See, that's fountains boring out. too. <laughs> God, I can never care about their their stupid fountains. Like it's like Orlando and their fountain being the symbol of the city. If you have anything fountain related that's like a key aspect of your city, you're probably trash. Um, yeah, God, I mean, like, people literally throw their change that they don't want in there, like. God, yes. how, how much of a cesspool could it be? Oh, gosh. Terrible. Terrible place. Hope we kick them. Hope we beat them at like 40. All right. Uh, real quick, elsewhere around the league, just to kind of give it an update. Uh, oh, Sebastian- I did not know this. Sebastian yeah. Lissou retired? Today. <laughs> oh, I missed that like, at work. <laughs> it's like a, uh, unless this is like some Onion article that I picked up. I'm pretty no, sure no, it was I mean, on If it happened today, I definitely would not have known about um, it around today. Yeah, no, he'll sign a one-day contract, it looks like, and that'll be it for Sebastian. The perfunctory, uh, the perfunctory one-day contract to retire as the, what, Philadelphia Union? Yep. Is that what he's retiring as? Exactly. Exactly. Um, yep, happened today. Uh, he ends his career with Philadelphia as their leader in, like, every single category, just about uh, offensively. Uh, pretty impressive stuff from him. So uh, a legend. Loved him. I, I, I always enjoyed watching him. Um, great finisher. Just a Really solid, solid striker. Yeah. Your Lando update, they've won six straight. They got another win against another really trash team in RSL. Uh, they keep going down one nothing, and then coming back and winning. This one, they won 3-1. I think I heard four of their six wins. Uh, they've come back yeah. down from behind. There you go. There you go. We'll, we'll change that Sunday. Don't worry. Yeah. We've got a special preview podcast, H-Dad thing, coming up for, for Orlando. It's just going to be all hate all the time. It's going to be gorgeous, I think. The Hater's Guide um, in audio form. In, in HDAD form. Yeah. The Hater's Guide is going to be brutal, too. It's going to be like a hater's encyclopedia. <laughs> I'm just going to go all in on every aspect I can. Uh, Loon Talk. we got to get our Loon Talk in real quick. Darwin yes. Quintero. Uh, two goals in four games for the first DP in Minnesota United history. Darwin Quintero doing big work for the Loons. They're going to ride into the playoffs uh, on the back of this age dad. Where I feel like I kind of give us some credit for for their mm, sudden take our energy. Yeah. yeah, they're in. They're fifth. They're in a playoff spot. Yeah, they're in a playoff spot through uh, ten games or whatever it is. Uh, another only one other really interesting game kind of going on uh, on Wednesday besides ours. Uh, TFC versus Seattle in uh, one of those games where both teams are in the midst of like you. you you kind of hit like a certain age and then you kind of wake up one morning and realize you're, you're old and disheveled. And that's kind of happening uh, in some aspects, especially for Seattle, uh, who's kind of 
aped a million years overnight and is now kind of trash. Toronto's going to be fine, but it's still funny to make fun of them for their start of their season. Yes, sure. Seattle, like the players in Seattle definitely know when there's going to be bad weather because like their knees start hurting or something. Like mm-hmm. they know when like, like literally the, the barometric pressure is changing because their joints start hurting. Speaking of barometers, we talked about this game being a barometer uh, before uh, we really got into things here. The Five Stripes come out with a win. They come out with a game that shows they really are the best team in the league. Joe Patrick, let's get to our predictions. Uh, okay, yeah, I, um, if you have not, could not tell by now, I'm not like super excited about how this game is going to go. And I am going to go with a 1-1 uh, clanger of a game. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty boring. I think SKC is going to have a lot of the possession. I think we'll probably hit them on the break once. I think we'll they'll, we'll probably screw something up and they'll score on us once. And that'll probably be about it. There'll probably be some shots for either team. That's my prediction. <laughs> there, there will be some shots. It'll definitely be a soccer ball kicked around. Sure. It's going to be a soccer game. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Joe Patrick, always always the pessimist over there, always the Debbie Downer. You think, you think it's going to be a clanger. Well, me, the eternal optimist, think it's going to be a banger. A banger coming at you. Uh, I'm not saying we're going to win. I'm not that optimistic. Uh, but I think like a, a crazy 3-3 kind of game is very much kind of in the cards for this one, which is probably not going to happen, but it's fun to think about. And why not? It hey. seems like both teams can can score in bunches. Let's see it happen. It's happened before. We had a 3-3 last year against Orlando. But, that's uh, right. Yeah, it's pretty funny that we both think it's going to be a draw, just in very drastically different, <laughs> different ways. <laughs> different ways. Both will be extremely stressful no matter what. Uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Game comes up 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday right there in the bins. Get in the stadium if you aren't planning to already or catch it on Fox Sports South. Uh, I mean, Kevin Egan's going to be back. He's, he, he, I no, think right he'll on. be back in the booth from the uh, from El Clasico. Right so you got Kevin that to look forward to, with, his, uh, his smiling face and his cheery Irish accent. Yeah, very nice. Along with a friend of the age, Dad, Jillian Sakovitz. Yes. Uh, he's very nice. Very nice. Big fan of Jillian. Um, but yeah, it'd be a good game. Check it out, folks. And then, of course, check out Five Strike Final right after that. Uh, that is our you- regularly scheduled post-game show uh, live from inside the stadium. We'll go on Facebook Live, and then we'll throw out an H-Dad uh, after the fact. You're damn right yeah. we will. Yeah. Dang right. Dang right. Uh, catch us at, at Five Strike Final on Twitter. I'm at J underscore Sam Jones on Twitter. Check Joe Patrick out at eight at J-A Patrick 200 on the Twitter sphere. Uh, go give us five stars on iTunes because we take the time to do this stuff for you uh, because we love you guys and we want you to love us too. Um, and yeah, that'll do it. Wrap it up. That's Woo-hoo! it. We need a better way to end these preview shows. We usually have our shout outs on the other one, but this one, I don't know what we're... Yeah, we haven't really we haven't really fleshed this one out yet with uh, that, you know, that value added uh, yeah. bits. That's on what, me. We've got to figure it out. I, I take. I feel like we can't up, just do shout. We can't do shoutouts again, like for this one. We have to have something unique. It's much for too the much shouting. We yeah, they would be. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we'll figure it out. If you guys have any suggestions, send them our way. That'll do it. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye, all. Bye.